are going, we are going to be turning right now to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. So I encourage you, take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 11 to talk about Christ's example. I'm grateful for the communion servers and all those that take part in these different needs of the church, all the different volunteers, and so thank you to them today, as well as those who took care of getting communion ready. So we've been preaching through Philippians now, and we see Paul's different themes, actually really the Holy Spirit's themes in Philippians, themes of joy, themes of unity, themes of sacrifice, and today we see Christ's ultimate example, Christ's ultimate example, and I'm actually having trouble getting there myself. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and there we are. So we see Christ's ultimate example. We're going to look at that today because in the previous few verses, Paul exhorted them about unity and Paul exhorted them about sacrifice. Paul exhorted them about considering others more important than themselves. And now he's going to give the ultimate example. But do we realize how much beyond us Jesus is? And how much beyond us God is? Now, when I say Jesus, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are God. All three are separate all at the same time. And I don't mean to make any heresies as I say that. God is so much greater than we are. Johnny Erickson Tata says, last week my pastor used an illustration that opened a small window and how beyond us, beyond us God is. Let's suppose you are a completely flat little water bug who lived only on the water's surface. As such, you are aware of length and width, but up and down does not exist you. You are a water bug. You bounce around in the water, but up and down doesn't exist to you. You only know length and width. Now, suppose a human being stepped into the water. You, as a buoyant creature skimming the water's surface, would come to know this awesome being by the qualities of, well, the human's leg where it intersected the water, right? That's all you know. You know the human's leg that intersects the water at that point. Poor little you couldn't begin to understand the portion of the leg beneath the water. Or the head and torso that towers above the water, right? You're a bug. You're flat on the water. You only know the human being by that little part. And your little bug mind, you know that one day you will live in the world of this awesome being and be transformed into a three-dimensional figure like him with height and width. But for now, you don't understand what it means. All you understand is the horizontal. You have to take it on faith. You have to take it on faith. When the Father, God the Father, revealed himself through Jesus, he was only showing us a slice of himself, a part of all that he is. But there's so much about him we don't comprehend, so much 
beneath and above our universe of understanding. Did we realize that? That's true of God, right? We're the flat little water bug. And we only know a little bit about God of what he, what he has revealed of himself to us, revealed of himself to us through the word of God and through certainly the Holy Spirit and through Jesus when he took on flesh and became a human being. But there's so much about him we don't comprehend. When we go to be with him, when we go to be with Jesus, we will live in his heavenly world. We will be transformed and lifted out of our limitations. Johnny says, I can't take that in. So I'll just have to take it on faith. When I do, it stirs reverence and awe in me. How about you? Think about ways in which you've limited God based on your small slice of knowledge. Have we ever limited God based on our small slice of knowledge? Then expand your vision as you try to imagine what's above and beneath your comprehension. Do we realize how amazing God is? Do we realize how amazing it is that he became a human being? And do we realize that he became part of us He became part of his creation. He became a human being in order to be brought low. That's what we're going to look at today. He became a human being for the purpose to be brought low. He did this to die for us. Jesus had a mission, and the mission was humility. So we come to Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And my theme today... The scriptures theme today, Paul gives Christ as the example of humility. Paul gives Christ as the example of humility. Let's put it in context. I want to start with verses three and four. In Philippians 2, verse 3, Paul writes, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. We preached on that passage last week, but we really cannot address this section, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, without looking at Philippians 2, 3, and 4. And I made a lot of applications about that last week. And there's so much more to be said. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. That's there. And then he's gonna give the ultimate example of Jesus who did this. The ultimate example of Jesus who considered others in his life on earth. This is his life on earth. He considered others more important than himself. In his life on earth, Jesus looked out for the needs of others before his own needs. This passage is fresh on my mind. It, it's a prayer passage for me. It always applies. But we got home yesterday from a quick trip. We left Thursday and came home yesterday from Downers Grove, Illinois, which is just south of Chicago. We met with my brother's family from Wisconsin there. 
And we were not in the car, but like 10 minutes and our two lovely daughters were nitpicking each other. And they didn't let up nitpicking with each other on the way home. Now, when they were around their cousins in Chicago, they were okay. We went to a free zoo in Chicago. By the way, you have not lived until you drive through downtown Chicago with four girls, because they were my two plus two more, saying they have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you can't just pull over really easily in Chicago. Anyways, this passage is so important for children, but guess what? This passage is so important for us as a culture today, as a culture today where I give an example of my daughters who are wonderful and I'm so proud of them, but adults aren't much better. Our politicians are not good examples. And oftentimes, even if we vote for the people, that's one thing, but we gloss over and we even make excuses for their behavior and their sniping, snippety comments where it seems like they failed preschool, you know, where you learn to relate with one another, you know, and don't make personal attacks. These things are inexcusable. And Christians are called to do better. And that's what the Apostle Paul was exhorting them to in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, because he's building on that theme of unity, of self-sacrifice. We are called to be better. We are called to be different. And that's why he's about to give the example of Christ. And, and just one more thing about verses 3 and 4, then we'll move on. You know, humility usually is a good thing in our culture, but not in the first century Greco-Roman world. To be humble was not a good thing in that world. In some ways, it is in our culture. And it should continue to be. Because for a Christian to be humble and to think of ourselves less and think of others first, that is a good thing. And so let's look at uh, Philippians 2, 5, because we're exhorted to have the mind of Christ. And we can do that because we have the Holy Spirit within us. So look at Philippians 2, 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, because we have the Holy Spirit within us. Because we have the Holy Spirit within us, we can live like Jesus. We can be, we can be different. We can be countercultural. We can live, Philippians 2, 3, and 4, because we're not on our own. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So Paul told them to consider others more important than themselves. Paul told them to consider the needs of others first. And now Paul says, have the mind of Christ. In verses six through eight, we see the humility of Jesus. In verses six through eight, we see the humility of Jesus. Look at verses six through eight. Have the mind which is yours in Christ Jesus. Then verse six picks up who, and the who is referring to Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, this is all about Jesus. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That's Jesus' incarnation. That's when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, born as a human being. That's not his beginning. Jesus has always existed. He's outside of time. He's always been present with God, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. But he was born in the likeness of man. In verse eight, it says, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And then it ends with, 
even death on a cross. That's the end of verse eight. Even death on a cross, because death on a cross was the most humiliating way that the Romans would kill somebody. They perfected suffering. They perfected humbling somebody, stripping their pride. We'll come back to that. So verse six talks about how Jesus existed in the form of God. Jesus is God. Jesus was God. We're gonna get into a little bit of Christology today. That's the theology of who Jesus is, Christology. The idea of logi that has to do with words. So this is the study of who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Jesus was God. Jesus always will be God. Yet this passage says he did not consider being God a thing to be grasped. And there is a lot written about what this verse means. Some would say he set aside some of his divine attributes, but even we gotta be careful saying things like that. I even wrote in here, it basically means that Jesus was willing to become a human being, submitting to the creation that he created. He's willing to set aside divine abilities, but he kind of did, but not totally. He was still fully God as he was living as a fully human being, he was still fully God. It, it seems like he, did, he chose not to use some of those divine abilities, except by the Father's will. At certain points when he fed the 5,000 and calmed the sea and, and you know, knew certain special knowledge. It could be like all illustrations fail and can really end up in heresy, but I'm gonna make one here. And just remember, it's only an illustration Okay, it's kind of like as, a, as an adult person, as an adult being, you might have the ability wrestling with your, maybe a five-year-old or something. You have the ability to pin them real quick, but no, you're playing. You hold back that power for the purpose of that fun. You know, it's, it's the, you have the ability, but he chose not to use it all the time. He surrendered to the Father's will. It was not something to be grasped, to be kept, and, and exploited for his own benefit or advantage. Instead, he had a mindset of service. Jesus had a mindset of service, a mindset of self-sacrifice. Christ did not please himself. See Romans 15.3. In humility, he counted the interests of others as more significant than his own. And what were those interests? It was ultimately the interest of being our sin substitute. If, if, if he did not do that, we wouldn't be saved right now. If he did not do that, we could not be saved right now. We are all saved. If you're here and you're a Christian or you're watching online or listening later on, you're a Christian. We are saved because Jesus counted others first. We are saved because he went willingly to the cross. We are saved. That, that's what confounded the wise of the age in the first, in, in the first century. If you, if you come to Bible study, which we're studying 1 Corinthians, we left off on the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 last week. And, and the idea of this confounded the wise of the, of the first century. How could, how could we serve a Savior who was crucified? The Jewish people could not understand that. The Old Testament says, cursed as anyone who hangs on a tree. And that's the point. Jesus became the curse for us. He became the curse in our place. D.A. Carson, a very well-known theologian, says the expression, the expression not to be uh, did not it did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. The expression is not what he emptied himself of. It's an idiomatic way of saying he became a nobody. 
He humbled himself completely, not only to become a human being, but to go all the way to the ignominy and shame and torture the cross. It's talking about the astonishing, unequal, unimaginable, indescribable self-humiliation in becoming human, and then going so far, not only to be a slave, but a slave who dies on the cross. Think about the huge gap. Jesus, God in the flesh. And others who knew the truth, maybe the angels on the, by, on the side could have thought, what is he allowing? Why is he allowing himself to go through all of this? Do they realize who he is? So Paul is getting ready to talk about the crucifixion. He's going into the crucifixion of Christ, going into the crucifixion. If Christ wanted to, he could have called down 10 armies of angels to conquer and rescue him back to being with God. He could have called down 10 legions of angels. That's what he says in Matthew 26, 53. Each legion would be between 4,000 and 6,000 angels. So Jesus could have called down at least 40,000 angels to rescue him from the cross. 40,000 angels. And I think one angel could have conquered the Romans right then and there. Just one angel could have done it. Actually, Jesus didn't even need any angels. Jesus could have done it himself. He did not need to go through that. He willingly allowed himself to do that. And he did it for you and for me and for everyone who ever has lived or ever will live so that we can be saved. You know, if he would have called down those 10 legions of angels, that would have used being God to his own advantage. But he didn't do that. He thought about the people he was saving. Who knows? Maybe you and I were on his mind when he went to the cross because he did that knowing he was saving humanity. I mean, think about his prayer at Gethsemane, which if you ever listen to R.C. Sproul's Renewing Your Mind, he preaches on that today. Just think about, you know, the prayer at Gethsemane. He's saying, Father, if possible, take this cup from me. I don't wanna go through this cup. Take it from me, but not my will, but your will. Is it possible? And we're just playing around. It's just imagination. This, this isn't in scripture. Is it possible that God showed him images, flash images of the people he was gonna be saving by going to the cross? Is it possible that God the Father is speaking to him saying, yeah, I could take this cup from you, but these people won't be saved. He went to the cross for you and for me, for our salvation. He died as a human servant. And, what's, and, and that's what Paul is getting into. Christ had everything. He had everything and he gave it up. He gave up his royal robes for our salvation. Christ has always been God. Jesus created everything. See uh, John chapter one, verses one through 14. Jesus holds all creation together. See Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Jesus is the very imprint of God. See Hebrews chapter one, verse three. Jesus has always existed as God. Bethlehem was not his beginning, but, when it, but Bethlehem was just when he became a human being. The American dream, is to start at the bottom and work your way to the top. Christ started at the top and purposefully, willingly worked his way down to death on a cross. His life was the opposite of the American dream. Let's make some applications here. Am I willing to sacrifice sometimes the American way for the cross, for the Christian way? Now, what do I mean by the American way? I'm not talking about patriotism. I think most of you know what I mean. The American way is get to the top no matter what. And maybe that's just the worldly way. It doesn't have to be the American way. It's rags to riches. It's cut somebody off of the knees. Do what it takes. Make that sarcastic comment to make me look good and others look bad. 
Do what it takes. Are we willing to sacrifice for Christ? Am I willing to be humiliated for Christ? How are we willing to be humble for Christ? Are we willing to be a witness, even though we might feel like we're made fun of? Are we willing to step outside of our comfort zone? We live in a comfort zone world. The Christian life is not about comfort zones. We are not called to live the Christian life in comfort zones. Are we willing to work at a homeless shelter, serve for the name of Christ? Now, I think most of us would, we're glad to help the rescue mission. We're glad to help the pregnancy help center by sending money. But maybe some of us, that's all we can do. We can't go serve, but maybe some of us can serve. We can send ourselves. Generally, the American way, and the more fluent a culture is, the more this is the case, we just think we just send money. You know what God wants more than sending money? He wants you to go there. He wants you to serve, and he wants us to sacrifice. What about serving in our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our celibate recovery ministry, the other ministries of Bethel Friends? What about being a friend to one no one else will be a friend to? You know, Jesus talked to the outcast, the woman at the well in John 4. Jesus was, was considered a, a glutton and a drunkard because of the people he hung out with. He was willing to do all of that sacrifice for us, and he calls us to do the same thing. Mother Teresa, founder of the Roman Catholic Missionaries of Charity, working saint of the streets in Calcutta, and a recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979 says she finds the same thing missing in the lands of plenty as in the lands of poverty, compassion. She says, maybe they are starved for bread in Africa. You are starved for love in the United States. You know, it's interesting. We talk about, you know, the American way, rags to riches, and Jesus has riches and had riches and always will have riches, and he, be, and he you know, came completely humble. I was... Flipped on an Elvis Presley movie last week. I didn't watch it all. Don't judge me on that, okay? Um, <laughs> but I have seen a lot of Elvis movies, and I do like his music, okay? I'll own that. He came from rags, right? And he went to riches. If, and he sang amazing gospel music. If from what I understand, he was a very generous person. But obviously, his life was missing a lot, Right? His life was missing a lot. He had it all, but his life was missing a lot. I'm not, I don't know whether he was a Christian or not, but it showed there was still a void. Jesus wants to fill that void. And part of filling that void is knowing him and living for him. Another part is serving, is serving in the name of Jesus, being willing to humble ourselves and serve in the name of Jesus. So look at verses seven through eight. Christ emptied himself. He became a nobody. Christ being equal with God, still patiently waited to return to his place on the throne. While he waited, he continued, he continued in the position of a servant. Think about this. How was Christ born? Think back to Christmas season. Where was Christ born at? Let's start with that. Anybody, shout it out. A manger, right? He was laid in a feeding trough. He was born in a manger, a barn, basically. He was born in a barn. He was laid in a feeding trough. Is that the way we would think of a king of kings and lord of lords coming into the world? And think about Mary, right? She was a virgin woman. Uh, it was a miraculous birth. She was a very honorable woman. She was a very godly woman. She was a very pious woman. That's right to say. It's right to say. And we can talk about that today, but they wouldn't have thought of her that way then. I had one particular professor say, people would have seen Jesus and said, there's Jesus, the son of the adulterous woman. He was humbled all of his days. 
Mary went through great humility all of her days. Joseph went through great humility all of his days. His siblings, yes, he did have siblings, by the way, were, went through great humility all of their days. We would think of a king coming down to earth and being born in a castle under royal robes, but no, that wasn't Christ. Christ was born in a barn, laid in a trough where, you, where you'd usually put food or water into. This is how the creator became part of his creation. Jesus was, was raised and suffered just like anyone else. He probably mourned the death of his father. He had emotions. He was in his fully human. He had emotions. John eleven thirty five 35 says that he wept at the death of his friend Lazarus. We know the Bible says he hungered and he got thirsty. He went through all of that. You know, if I was Jesus talking to God the Father in eternity past, and God the Father said, I'm going to create people and they are going to break my law. They are going to create, they're going to create high treason. They're going to commit high treason. And God the Father says, will you die for them? Will you die for them? I could see myself, and this is just imagination. I could see myself saying, all right, all right, I'll do it. But I want to be born in a castle. And not in the first century. I want the 21st century. I want air conditioning. I want good food. I want coffee every morning. I want chocolate. I want, I want breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, want to, I don't have to go hungry. I don't want to have skip meals. I don't want to be humbled and made fun of as the son of, a, of an adulterous woman. I don't want any of that. I'll do it. I'll do the sacrifice, but I don't know if I want to go through the life like Jesus did. That's not what Jesus did, did he? Oh, and by the way, I might say to God the Father, I guess I have to die for them. Just let somebody assassinate me in my sleep. I don't want to feel the pain. That's not what Jesus did. He lived his life in total, complete surrender to the Father's will. Total, complete humility. And then went willingly to a death on a cross. He lived his life subject to the Father. He was all-knowing, and now the Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature in Luke 2.52, which means he doesn't know everything anymore. He was, I'm sure he was subject to body odor and bad breath, just like you and I are, at least I am. He was once all-powerful and will be again, but for his lifetime, he submitted to the powers and authorities that were corrupt. That's what he did for us. Do you realize Jesus created the molecules that made the nails that he was crucified with. He created the molecules for the tree that made the wood that he was crucified on. Jesus created the people who crucified him. He held all of creation together. And now he was subject, he was subject to the creation. He created the water. Jesus created the laws of physics he created gravity, and now in his life, he was subject to gravity. I'm sure as a child, he, learning to walk, he fell and skinned his knee. He, for, he created all of those laws of physics, and now he willingly was subject to those laws of physics, and why did he do it? He did it for our salvation. Yes, he was a moral example too, but most of all, he did it to die on the cross for our sins and rise again. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus isn't dead anymore. We serve a risen Savior. 
everyone will acknowledge someday that Jesus Christ is Lord. Those spirits, those angels, those demons, those in hell, everyone, that doesn't mean they're all gonna be saved, but it does mean everyone in every being will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is highly exalted, but Jesus in his, became a human being and he was the ultimate example of a self-sacrificial life. And he did that for our salvation. We must be Christ-like. We must follow Christ's example in this way. The church has everything to offer the community, not the other way around. However, in order to help people, we have to be a servant. To be a servant, we must be humbled. We must live Philippians 2, 3, and 4, considered Consider others more important than ourselves. Look out for the needs of others before our own. How are we treating others? How do we treat Christians? How do we treat non-Christians? Are we looking upon others as better than ourselves? Are we being humble? Are we willing to, this is a strong statement for you to pray about. Are we willing to die humiliating death to help someone else? I know this is a strong statement, but verse five says to have the mind of Christ, and that's what Jesus did. He died for the gospel. He died for our salvation. Are we willing in an argument to take the high road and not take personal attacks and maybe even just walk away and just say, look, I love you too much to argue. I love you too much. I don't have to be right. Are we willing not to make those sarcastic comments and make ourselves look better and others look worse, but to do the opposite and try to prop somebody else up? Are we willing when everybody else is gossiping, slandering, to just walk away and not do it? Are we willing to finish well as Christians, stay committed to the cause of Christ even when we're unhappy, even when we're going through hardship, even when we're going through pain, and be a loving example of encouragement. To think, even when we're around people where we have trouble maybe getting along in a humble, loving way, to think, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be an encourager. This person's going through a lot, and that's why she's grumbling and complaining or gossiping or slandering. I'm not gonna join in that. I'm going to be an encourager. I'm gonna be an example of love. Martin Luther said, I've held many things in my hands and I've lost them all, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Open our hands, place it in God's hands. Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary in Ecuador, said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that was Jim Elliott's whole life on the mission field. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. And we thank you most of all for your sacrifice on the cross for us. You died on the cross, you rose again, and you did that all for us. But even before that, we recognize, as this scripture shows, you lived your whole life in total, complete humility, thinking of us first, thinking of us first. Lord Jesus, if anyone here has not surrendered their life and placed, um, uh, placed their life in your hands, if anyone here has not received you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I ask that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day to repent and confess they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Today would be the day to believe in you as the one and only Savior. Today would be the day to commit to you and trust in you. And Lord God, for us Christians, help us to live having the mindset of your example, as Philippians 2, 5 says. 
Help us to be self-sacrificing. Help us to be humble. Help us to live 1 Corinthians 13 that says, love believes all things. That means it gives each other the benefit of the doubt. In Proverbs 19, 11, it's a good thing to overlook a sin. In Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath. In, in, in Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. May we be kind, tenderhearted, considering others more important than ourselves looking out for the needs of others before our own. Jesus, I know we can only do this through you. We can only do this through the Holy Spirit within us. So we cry out for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.